Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 610 of Long Box Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? I'm doing good. I'm ready to record a podcast. Uh, the air is on, but down, uh, so I've probably, uh, you know, sweated out most of the uh, food and drink that I had today. Well, there you go. My air is on high, and I could see my breath in my house. Oh, good. That's the way I like it. I like it cold uh, in the house, but like sometimes it gets a little too cold. But that was like two days ago, mm-hmm. and now it's supposed to be peaking up into 90 uh, here on the uh, East Coast over the next couple days. Yep. Uh, so I actually, I've been enjoying my pool. Like uh, the last couple nights, mm-hmm. I've been out in the pool until like almost 10 o'clock at night. I'm going to come night swimming, Joe. Drinking and night swimming. It's a winning combination. <laughs> that is true. I've done both. So what do we got on the show today, my good man? In news, a creator is leaving an almost 50-issue run on a book. An actor, question mark, is writing a miniseries for one of the big two. Hmm. Uh, Marvel makes an announcement that's 30 years in the making with a little help from our Patreon, I would say, Joe. I I would say we've uh, kind of zhuzhed them in that direction. Yep. And um, on a more serious note, uh, a creator is taken ill. Uh, we'll talk about that. Um, conventions, what we read last week, which was both Thor 26 and Dark Crisis number one. What we're looking forward to this week, Todd and Joe have issues. The battle for second place, a.k.a. Todd and Joe go rogue. Um, Todd's art attack. And finally, spoiler-filled talk of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the first episode of Miss Marvel, and uh, the latest episode of The Boys. Lots oh of boy. stuff. Lots of stuff. Sometimes when I sit and I watch The Boys, mm-hmm. I think to myself, should we be reviewing The Boys on After Dark? Um, yes. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Because okay. when we get there, there's a website uh, dedicated to some of the things used to kill people in this episode. But go ahead. There you go. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, JT Stockroom shout out. Shout out, I guess, right? No, different place, but real. Oh, well, this is real too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, All no, right. I've, I've heard of that. But anyway, let's move on quickly. All right. Quickly. Uh, so Dan Slott is leaving the Fantastic Four. Yes. Uh, He had a huge run on Spider-Man. He did a run on Silver Surfer. And then he's been on Fantastic Four now here for, what, the better part of the last four years? Yeah. And there he also had an Iron Man run, too. That's right. Yep. So, obviously, no announcement of who is going to be uh, taking over the book or where Dan Slott is going to be going to next. Right. Uh, so actually, it looks like, um, you know, there's like a couple issues that like tie into like maybe an event or uh, an X-Men thing. Okay. So there's no regular writer that there. It looks like it's fill-in writers at the very least after his big advertisement final issue uh, where they're saying he's leaving the book uh, with issue 46. Right, right. Now, I haven't been reading this. Uh, I've picked it up here and there where you're like, hey, it's my book of the week. I want to talk about it. So I'm like, all right, I'll go read it, see how accessible it is. Um, But I kind of sort of fell off. I was getting the book for a while. But when Empire and the pandemic happened, 
mm-hmm. uh, I fell off the book. Yeah, I, I've been reading it the whole way. You know, I'm an FF guy. Um, sure. And I will say this. The, 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 the run has had bouts of brilliance and then like like uh, valleys of mediocrity. You know what I mean? Like where it was amazing, I actually it was like, this is everything I've ever wanted from the FF. And then it would just be like, all right. Uh, the, the weirdest way to put it is like, because like I'm an old, you're an old, like I like my FF the way it is. And every like everybody time a creator comes on a book or does something new, they're like, I want to put my stamp on it that's going to last for the rest of time, if that makes any sense. And like he was like adding, like, you know, he married off the thing and he gave them kids and like the FF just kept getting bigger and bigger. And I'm like, okay, I'm fine with that. That happens over the years. But there was other things that I absolutely loved. Like he did a, a whole, like a very FF storyline where uh, one of the thinkers clones, uh, the kid, uh, he, he comes back and he wants him back. So he, he takes him, he takes the FF to uh, court for custody. And there's all these like rules, like the way court works with uh, uh, rights for like clones and AI and all this stuff. And I'm like, this is fantastic. It's very interesting. Something the FF would do. Um, and then there was just other storylines like I don't care. So I I love Dance Lot, but I'm looking forward and hoping because of a couple fill-ins that they'll hit the ground running with issue 50 and announce like a big creative like uh, new creative team, and then that'll lead into you know the movie that's supposed to come out in a couple of years if that makes any sense. For sure. And, you know, obviously you mentioned about marrying the thing off. It's not the first time that the thing's been married in FF. Mm-hmm. Uh, but giving him a family, of course. And didn't he do a bit, or has this already been fixed in continuity, that Johnny couldn't flame off? Um, yes. He became the Human Torch-like thing in that his powers wouldn't stop. And he was burning, like, super hot. So anywhere he would go would, like, destroy stuff. So he has to be, like, in the basement of the Baxter building in this special room to keep it from burning. Um, I have a feeling that he might have that turned off by the end of Dan Slot's run. But who knows? Maybe it won't. I don't I don't know, you know? Right. So, you know, and, and creators do this a lot of times. You know, we've talked before about the different runs on Daredevil and Mark Wade created Daredevil, ha, ha, ha. Mm -hmm. But there would be like, oh, Bendis uh, finishes his run and I'm going to leave it a mess for Ed Brubaker to come on and fix. And Ed Brubaker is like, okay, well, I'm going to fix this, but now I'm going to put my own new mess on there. Mm -hmm. And then Andy Deagle is going to come on and he's going to do the same thing. And then this person is going to come on and do it. And then Chip Zdarsky is kind of like, making a mess of it for himself, you know? Right. Where um, then you have other creators like uh, Jason Aaron into Donny Cates where it's a smooth transaction, you know? Transition. Well, it, right. We're even further still like Donny Cates is like, I'm working on Venom, but I'm going to throw some Thor stuff in here because you never know. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets Thor, he's like, hey, luckily I planted those seeds in Venom four years ago. So now I could just pull those over here. Right. And uh, Thanos. Yeah. And Silver Surfer. And now in the Hulk. Yeah. You know? so. so you see that happen a lot more in Marvel than you do in DC these days. Mm-hmm. Where a lot of times 
DC is going to advertise a big sweeping change. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later on um, in what we've read this past week. But DC will advertise some sort of big sweeping change, but then it's literally condensed in that four, five, or six issue miniseries where whatever the changes happened before the miniseries started, and it's fixed off panel in a book that's not even the miniseries. Yep. And it's kind of been that way, at least at DC, for the better part of 30 years. A lot of anniversaries coming up this year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Marvel, it's been this way kind of since, you know, we talked a couple weeks ago with Joe Quesada leaving. uh, With Joe Quesada being in charge in a position of power at Marvel, where that was kind of let to be the thing. So uh, I'm glad to see that it's still going on, but one would want... I'm glad to see that as big as the... Marvel Cinematic Universe is as part of the Disney Empire. Right. That on the comics, folks are just allowed to kind of play loosey-goosey with some of these characters. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that only in that, in the time that a book, like a movie comes out for someone, at least you look like the the version that's going to be in the movie, as long mm-hmm. as we're the ones putting the movie out. Right. Um, and then you can go back to doing whatever you're doing once, like, the six-week cycle has ended for the movie's lifetime, you know? Exactly. Or even just have a mini out at that time, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, Something that resembles what you're doing. Um, before we move on, I just got one question. Anybody you'd be interested in to see do the book that would bring you on, you know what I mean? Or- uh, I'm not sure. Um, I, it, it's one of those have to be, like, um... You know, obviously, you got your big guns. You know, we mentioned Brubaker. We mentioned Jason Aaron. Um, you know, uh, Brian K. Vaughn. But a lot of these people are, like, long shots or impossibilities yep. at this point. That Like, their name is attached to the book. I'm getting it, right? Right. Jason Aaron's not so much of a long shot, but go ahead. No, no, definitely not. But he's kind of entrenched in all the Avengers stuff. Mm-hmm. And not that, like, King Conan was taking a lot of time out of his day. But, you know, one could just... You know, the new the new creative theme doesn't have to come on until if I do my Gazintas like October, November. Right. Uh, with that issue 50. So that's plenty of time to like work up a pitch and already have a pitch right. in place and get three issues ready to go so they could be solicited for the till the end of the year. Anyway. Right. Um, yeah, let's say Jason Aaron. Right. But like. <laughs> He's, a he's sure. the one guy I, I, I think would want to do it. That's like the one book he hasn't done at Marvel. Yeah. Like he he did like X-Men, like he did tons of X-Men stuff. He's doing the Punisher stuff um, right now. Oh, and that's the other thing. He's doing the Punisher book. And that's a maxi series. It's only 10 issues or whatever. So, right. you know, that could end at the same time this begins. Um, but like, let's, you know, let's. I don't know. Like, let's look outside the box. Like, like, let's bring somebody in from the outside. Let's let, let somebody new on there. Right. Um, you know, but then if they have Fantastic Four back as part of the regular Marvel Cinematic Universe and they're allegedly going to be announcing a movie, then, you know, maybe you want to have your biggest names and your biggest writers and your biggest artists on it, you know? Uh, well, FF's definitely on the slate of movies. Yeah. Okay, I, the way you said, it, I thought maybe you didn't know that. But anyway. does it have does it have a release date? Does it have it, a? It's in the hopper of like mm. after the next couple movies. Yes. Um, I don't know. Like, I'd have to go into the uh, the thing, but it's like it's the last movie, and then after that, it's like we have a to be named movie. If that makes any sense, you it know what does, I mean. It does not have an IMDb yet, so let's say no. Okay. I believe you. I, I'm not. 
I'm not doubting that they put on an infographic that has a picture of a four on it that's blue with a circle around it. I'm not doubting the fact that this happened. Mm -hmm. There's no release date. There's no writer. There's no director. There's no casting. There's no nothing. Well, there's kind of casting, but... There is? Uh, Krasinski's going to be Mr. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. We'll see. I mean, he was... Don't tell me they didn't, you know... That's a throwaway. Could be a throwaway. Right, and Fantastic Four is on the slate after the Marvels in 2023. Mm -hmm. 2024, it would be my mistake. Doesn't have an IMDb yet, so we'll see. Okay. That's how I know a movie is real. Right, right, right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're you're definitely right. So, uh, moving on. Uh, so, who's yours? Who's your dream person to take this book over? I, I said it in the tweet when I was pushing this. It would be Chip Zdarsky. But Chip Zdarsky is like, let's see, Batman or Fantastic Four. And he has Daredevil at Marvel. Um, I would, but he, I think he's, pu- he's, he's uh, pulled too thin for that. But he would be my guy. That's yeah. the guy. I get you. So. But anyway. Uh, so, you know someone who I definitely would want to see his take on the Fantastic Four? God, I hate you, but go ahead. <laughs> That's how you segue, brother. Uh, Bruce Campbell. Uh, he's writing a book for the DC uh, called uh, Sergeant Rock vs. the Army of Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be a ton of different, uh, you know, cover artists and variant artists on here. Uh, Edward Riso is going to be doing art on it. Charles Adlard is going to be doing art on it. Uh, it's got like a fancy Gary Frank cover. Mm-hmm. And uh, listen, I I like Bruce Campbell. Bruce Campbell's a good guy. Uh, it's not his first foray into writing comic books. Uh, is this obviously a stunt casting for a book? One million percent. <laughs> uh, but I will. Uh, I'll check this book out. Sure. Um, I I was interested in this with the character, and then it kind of lost me with the writer. Right. Are you saying that Bruce Campbell is not uh, capable of writing a good zombie story? Um, did he write the Evil Deads? Uh, I'd say a lot of his voice is probably on the screen, but I wouldn't say that he put pen to paper and wrote the script. There, there you go. Well, you know, that, that's the thing. And I don't know. I just, I'm not big. I've never been big. Like, I've read some, but I've never read anything that I was like, oh, this actor, like, who came to comics to do whatever, you know, to write something. I've ever been wowed by it. You know right. what I mean? And, um, and Todd attempted to bait people on social media this week. Right. Uh, saying, what are some truly great comics that were written by an actor? Mm-hmm. To which I say, what is your definition of a great comic? And what is your definition of an actor? Uh, based on the, your opening uh, spiel to start the uh, start the book, or to start the episode, you don't think that Bruce Campbell is an actor. So that immediately eliminates him from this. So he's just a regular schmo who's writing a comic book who happened to luck into it. He's written at least two books, has he not? Yes. Okay. Okay. 
Now, writing a book and writing a comic book are two completely different things. Am I going into the Sergeant Rock meets the Land of the Dead or whatever it's called? Thinking, oh, this is going to be transformative. This is going to be our generation's Watchmen. I can't wait to read this. Yes. yes absolutely not. Right. That's the way you guys are. Okay. You're drinking That's the, the Campbell way, okay. Kool-Aid. That's the way you guys name <laughs> names. I don't have a mouse in my pocket. I'm over here by myself looking at this in a realistic way. This isn't Bruce Campbell's writing Superman or Batman or The Flash. It's a throwaway story with Sergeant Rock fighting zombies. You know what's going to happen to this comic, Todd? Sergeant Rock is going to fight zombies and maybe make a quip or two. The way I look at it is, who knows, with Bruce Campbell, he might not. He might throw you a a curveball. Right. But, yeah, so I don't, I don't know. I just, like I said, was it a was it a gentle rib on some people I know? hmm Yes. But I've always been against, not against, but I just never cared. I was like, there, like, tomorrow Clint Eastwood could be writing Jonah Hex, and I'd be like, all right, maybe I'd be interested in that. But, uh... <laughs> No, but you know what I mean? Like, there's not a lot of actors that I'm like, oh, and and I just like, go play in your own sandbox and like, stay out of here. The only good time anybody who's, who's, who's acted that did a good story was, uh, what's his face at, and he did the, the epilogue in Superior Foes of Spider-Man. That's about it. You know, there was a time where I would disagree with you, Todd. Mm Mm-hmm. But I have glued that page back into my comic uh, within the okay. last couple months. But yeah, that's kind of like I also get well soon, Phil. <laughs> right. <laughs> I also don't care when musicians write comics. But and- you probably bought the Alice Cooper Last Temptation of Alice thing well, that he stood in a room while Neil Gaiman wrote a comic <laughs> so they could put his name on the cover, right? I have that several different ways. Okay. But who who's on the who's writer on that comic? Not Alice Cooper. No. It's Neil Gaiman. It's not and stories inspired by Alice Cooper. That's fine. Okay. Let's just put it this way. Would I want to read a comic written by Alice Cooper? No. And and Alice Cooper had that whole line of comics where he was kind of like the crypt keeper. Sure. Where it was like, here's my Alice Cooper comic. I was like, I didn't buy one of those. Like, if he had written them or, like, it was whoever wrote them. I'm like, I'm not getting any of those, even though I really love him as a singer or, you know, a musician. But to buy any of those, like, no. Now, like, some differences in that, like, I could say, is he an actor? Uh, uh, who uh, Kevin Smith, I'd be like, all right, yeah, he was Silent Bob, but right. I think of him more as an actual writer and director, and he's done some good stuff. Patton Oswald, you know, people are saying, and John Cleese. Uh, these were some of the names that I got. I'm like, okay, John Cleese, legitimate, like, he knows how, like, he's written his own stuff. Patton Oswald as comedians, but they write their own stuff. I'm just like, uh, uh, I don't know. I just never care. It's mm-hmm. almost too, like, when, like, an artist pops up and he's like, I'm going to write a comic. I'm like, for the most part, you know, I don't care about, like, usually, like, a few people, like, Frank Miller transition, um, a couple other people. But it's like, uh, I don't know. Just give me my good writers. That's all. Yes. So this is your Bruce bias, mm-hmm. plain and simple. Right. And it's almost as though, Todd, mm-hmm. 
this sort of stunt casting to put an actor or someone from a different field as a writer on a property that hasn't been used in 10, 15 years. Um, Now, in his own book, no, but in other stuff, yes. Okay, in his own book, uh, maybe this is a way to try to get some new eyes on a book. Like, maybe Bruce Campbell's hot again because he was in the Multiverse of Madness. People are talking about him again. Uh, Maybe they came to him. Maybe he came to them. Who knows how this came about? I didn't read any of the interviews or nothing about this. I'll be completely honest with you. But, you know, what's going to sell more? Uh, A Sergeant Rock book written by Joe Schmo or a Sergeant Rock book written by Bruce Campbell? Now, again, I don't know any of the other stuff that's involved with this, but that's why they do it. You know, that's why John Favreau wrote a... Uh, Iron Man story that's still never finished, right? Mm-hmm. This is why Damon Lindelof wrote uh, a Hulk versus Wolverine storyline that never finished. Todd, mm-hmm. the silver lining to this is maybe Bruce Campbell won't finish this book, and then you could just needle the one person who would get upset by this. Well, let me, I think there's two, but anyway. Um, two? Two. Um, but I will say this. I was going to say, I, one's not on this call, I'll tell you that much. Right. No, there's, there's, there's two. Um, but I'll say, I'll say this. I think he will finish it because he probably needs the money. Oh my goodness. I used to be like, oh, <laughs> did my, did, could you send me my money order for issue six? Yes. Uh, speaking of comics that never got finished. I'm a Segway machine today, baby. You are. Uh, this uh, fall, Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham are going to be doing new Miracle Man comics. Now, is it the Miracle Man comics that were solicited 30 years ago? <laughs> no. Uh, but it's the first time that new Miracle Man stuff is going to be published in 30 years. Right. Uh, They're doing a bunch of uh, variant covers in September to lead to the books coming out, Um, none of which I care about. Mm -hmm. Um, But they didn't officially say that this is issues 26 and 27, did they? That I couldn't find anywhere. You know what I mean? I have a feeling it is because they were like – I don't know about 26 because if you – you know. Patreon stuff like that was solicited. Definitely uh, 25. Definitely. I had heard over time was written and drawn and was mm-hmm. done. And I think they, like they kept the, like they never turned it in. If that makes any sense um, because the, the company had folded or whatever. So they were like, okay, it's not like we, we gave them all the art and then it disappeared because people sold it off. So that's why I think 25 would definitely be, but I don't know if 26 was ever written and drawn, if that makes any sense. Sure. Uh, so yeah, it's just, you know, I know Marvel's had the rights to the character for quite some time mm-hmm. and they really haven't done anything with it since. Um, but right. it's the 30th anniversary of those issues being solicited. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why they're coming out, you know, everything that's old is new again, Joe. Exactly. Everything's in that 30 year anniversary. Yep. I'm starting to invest in everything around that mm-hmm. we read in the previews. It could be your map. Previewing the past could be your map to, to retire. So. If only you had, if only someone had like an advanced look, maybe like six months ahead. On those previews catalogs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe like even like five years ahead, like I have right behind me. <laughs> oh my god. 
Anyway, uh, last but not least, uh, Jim Lee put out on social media uh, that Batman artist, kind of synonymous with um, the long Halloween stuff, Tim mm-hmm. Sale, uh, is going through some severe health issues. Uh, I was shocked to see that Tim Sale was as old as he was. A lot of people are saying that. Yes. Um, you know, I think we might have talked about this here last week, that he was one of those 20-year overnight sensations. Yep. He was just kind of a guy who did things here and there, and then it wasn't until uh, the, the uh, whatchamacallit, the Long Halloween, Dark Victory, that sort of thing, hit that he really became, you know, somewhat one of those, you know, 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, top-tier, recognizable Batman artists. Right. And, you know, obviously his style is very unique, very different, may not have been for everyone, but I really thought it fit those stories. And it was good to see, like, Jeff Loeb kind of bringing him along when Jeff Loeb went and did some stuff at Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you forget, like, there was a Hulk one, there was a Captain America one, there was a Spider-Man one. And a Daredevil one, like the color series, you know? Right. Did you say Captain America? I'm sorry. I did say Captain America. Okay. Yes. I, I was trying to keep up which one, which ones you did. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, so uh, it, it was good to see him, like I said, tied into Jeff Loeb's stuff. And I really liked his art. And uh, hopefully whatever ish, uh, whatever health issues he's having, he kicks out, gets better, and uh, comes back and, uh, you know, can live a very happy life. I'm 100% with you. Like, not one of those things. Because, like, the family asked for, like, just like, respect our privacy. So just mention it and then out. Won't do any speculations. But I'll say, you you were talking about, like, his, uh, you know, Batman stuff with Long Halloween and Dark Victory, man. Um, DJ was saying this on Twitter the other day, and I, I 100% agree. His Superman for all seasons is oh, one yeah. of the five best Superman stories ever told. And when I found out about this... I went and I reread that and I was like, this is so beautiful. And how like he does a, like, like, you know, like a, a jacked up Clark Kent compared to everybody else and how he's like sitting with Martha, like on the, uh, uh, on the porch talking to her and like just so dainty with her, but he's like this big gassed up, you know, I'm like, it's fantastic. It looks so great. So I'm with you. I just hope, I hope he, you know, I hope he gets well soon. For sure. Uh, So that's the news uh, this weekend. Uh, There's some comic book conventions. Uh, Todd, do you have the show notes in front of you? I do. I just have to grab them because I was on to something else, if you know what I mean. All right. Um, I'm at the show notes now. Sorry. Okay. So there's the Washington State Summer Con. Yep. Could you pronounce that city name where it's taking place in Washington State? Puyallup. Puyallup, that's right. Puyallup. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, there's some media folks there. William Shatner, uh, Robert Patrick, uh, Christian, and Trish Stratus from the world of sports and entertainment. Uh, but lots more comic book folks. Uh, Kevin Eastman, Simon Bisley, Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo. Uh, Ron Mars, Mike Rell, Aaron Lepresti, Ron Lim, that sort of thing. Right. And then uh, in Dallas, Texas, uh, Fan Expo. I know the Rob likes to claim that they do one good show a year and the rest of them are all money losers. Uh, but I don't know, looking at this one, Jim Lee 
Donny Cates, uh, Ryan Stegman, Ryan Otley, Tom King, Mitch Gerards, Glenn Fabry, Tony Harris, Mark Russell, amongst others. Right. Uh, the one thing that I thought was funny, so, you know, I get my notes, I do whatever it is, you know, and some of these sites, uh, you know, I have issues with them, you know. Right. Uh, so you go to the Fan Expo Dallas site, you hover over guests, and it changes so you know that it's going to do something, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, like, they have, a, like, a landing uh, landing page, like a strip in the middle that shows a bunch of cosplayers, right? Right. When you click celebrities, it changes. Now, granted, it doesn't show the celebrities that are going to be there necessarily, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it shows, like, Jason Momoa, Michael J. Fox, Shatner, etc., right? Right. When you go over to comic creators, okay, uh, sadly, I say, so the pictures of the comic creators that they have there are Frank Miller, Scott Snyder, and this is me going left to right, okay? Frank Miller, Scott Snyder, Jim Lee, Stan Lee, Todd McFarlane, Neil Adams, and The Rob. Right. So uh, two are dead, sadly, and one uh, publicly lambasts the, the, the convention. I just think it's funny that that's who they have in their comic creator's landing page. You know what, though, Joe? When he finds out about that, it's going to make it's going to put them on the map again. He's, he's going to give them so much free publicity. It's ridiculous. Right. Please. No one snitch tag the Rob in this. OK. Yeah. Cop collars all around. That's Joe. right. Um, but Todd, what would be a comic book convention without the stars <laughs> of sports and entertainment being there? A lot better. And Todd, some of these are some of your favorites. Uh, Carmella, you know who she is? Uh, I don't know. Is she the one with the long hair? Yes. With the whip hair thing? No. No. Uh, she just has long blonde hair. Oh, a blonde female wrestler? Yes. I should know her immediately. There, Not there. to be confused with Alexa Bliss, who will be there. Oh, okay. Uh, Seamus is going to be there. Oh, uh, Beaker's cousin. Yes. Canonically related to Beaker of the Muppets. Yes. That's right. That's why he's the only good wrestler. Right. Uh, Seth uh, Franklin Rollins is going to be there. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, there was a media blast for an upcoming house show that came out. And they misspelled a lot of people's names. But specifically, they had him listed as, instead of Seth freaking Rollins, it was <laughs> Seth Franklin Rollins. That makes more sense. That's what the F stands for. Sure. Uh, Blue Mittens is going to be there. Ooh, I would get Mittens signed by him. That's right. Um, one of the last uh, times that you get a chance to see Ric Flair. Oh, see, in my notes, and I didn't check it, it was a, a Flair, mm-hmm. so I didn't know which Flair. No, it's Rick. Okay. Oh, I guess it would have said her first name instead. Yes. Okay. Uh, Edge is going to be there. Ooh. What's the matter? Y'all don't like Edge? <laughs> Uh, I'm indifferent on Edge, but go ahead. Okay. Matt Riddle's going to be there. The less said about him, the better. Ah, uh, the Riddler. Hmm. Well, a lot He's of an enigma here, but go ahead. A lot of questions about him. <laughs> Just asking uh, questions. A lot of answers. A lot of questions. And uh, the, the Undertaker's going to be there. Ooh. That's right. Uh, just Isn't make sure those. Just make sure the Koala Care Station near the men's room is cleaned out for uh, old Mark. Okay. 
Shouldn't he be at a mall somewhere? He should go out again. I'm sure there's a mall nearby. He's got to get his steps in with the silver sneakers, you know? Right. But uh, we have the links to those conventions if you're in the Dallas or Puyallup areas this weekend. <laughs> uh, also, soon-to-be-named-network.com, uh, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. All the shows in the soon-to-be-named network. Uh, anytime they go live, you can find them there. Uh, obviously, individual sites, individual RSS feeds, but this is like a one-stop shop for all the shows. Uh, that includes this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, uh, We Need Wrestling, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, uh, Hit My Music, and uh, Porch Talk. Did I forget anything? No, no. I listened to one of the other uh, shows on the network this week. Yeah. And they do a much leaner read of those uh, shows in the network. Right, right. Who knows? Yeah. You know, Who knows when another one will be added? You know what That's I mean? That's right. You never know. Uh, also check out some of our friends, uh, stuff that they're doing in and around the internet. Uh, Mike Sterling's progressive rune blog, Chris Schweizer's drawing and other art book, uh, Kevin Hellion's mass library page, Rick Williams, the chop shop, uh, Jason Sandberg, Chris Runt, uh, listeners of the show, longtime listeners of this show, uh, both self-published comic books. Jupiter and Battle Monsters, respectively. Show notes have the links to all these folks' blogs and websites and stores and ways that you can purchase those comics uh, directly from these folks. Uh, hey, and if you like buying comics, no better place to buy comics than our very own comic shop, Comics on the Green. If you don't have a comic book shop in your area or you don't have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. We have the link to their Facebook page. That's where Dave and the crew do most of their social media-ing, uh, whether it be the weekly books that are coming out, uh, what's in store, what's getting ready to be pre-ordered, and so forth. Um, and hey, you could sign up for their mail-order subscription service. You could have your books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. Again, sometimes it's, uh, you know, you don't have a comic book shop in your area. You want to support local, support our local, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, if you do sign up for those uh, mail-order subscription services, there's a chance you can get some fancy artwork on your package from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her social media for all of the uh, art and process and prints and so forth that she's done. Uh, she's a fantastic arter, artist. Uh, hit her up for a commission. Uh, make her schedule very busy so she neglects her island on Animal Crossing. Ooh, those beats are going to rock. Turnips, but yes. Beats, turnips, whatever. Hey, let's get into what we read from this past week, shall we? Sure. Um, I will start with the book I was looking forward to most, which was Dark Crisis Number One by Joshua Williamson and Daniel Sampier, I think is how you say his name. Um, basically, after you know the fallout of Justice League seventy five, um, uh, the the Justice League is 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 dead, and this starts off with Nightwing giving a eulogy for them. Um, and discussing like you know like like the, you know the hope that that they still have, and because the Justice League have fallen, like everything seems to be going crazy in the DC universe. Like something's different this time. Um, so like things are getting out of hand, and Hal shows up and he's like, "What happened?" And that's when we get <clears throat> the synopsis where they go to see Black Adam, and he's like, you know, the the forces of Pariah, the that were you know the army came and ended up you know killing them all and i was the only one who survived 
And, uh, you know, so like Hal ends up going around, you know, looking for any signs of the Justice League and nobody like using magic, using everything, nothing can be found. So uh, uh, Jonathan uh, Kent, uh, Superboy is like, well, I'm going to put together uh, a Justice League. And he goes and for the most part, like we, we see him really quick interviewing people, but there's a few big ones that he goes sees and they end up giving him his answer and he ends up going to Black Adam. He's like, I created a new Justice League and Black Adam's like, no, you have a bunch of, you know, you have like Frankenstein on here. You have two blue beetles. Like, come on. Like I want nothing to do with this. Um, and then like some things happen in the end where the villains decide to take advantage of the situation. I don't want to give too much away. And then like pariah is like, this is my plan. And maybe things aren't what they seemed. And we go from here. And I think this is where you, you know, kind of said maybe something else happened in another book that explains Something that goes on in this, Joe? Well, right. So wasn't there like a prequel thing that came out? So I read this as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so wasn't there like a prequel book? I was looking through. Do I have it right here in front of me? I don't. Where they had like the list of the books that you have to get. It's the miniseries. There was a precluding one shot. There's a preceding one shot. Then there's a bunch of one-shots for each of the individual Justice League characters. Then you also have to be reading an ancillary miniseries regarding Young Justice. Plus, you need to be reading the current ongoing Flash and Green Lantern. Yes, and I have the checklist in front of me. And the books that came before Dark Crisis 1, which is not on the checklist. One is there's a free comic book day uh, one-shot. Right. Um, Then you have Justice League 75. But then there's a Justice League Road to Dark Crisis number one. Right. So the death of the Justice League actually happens over there. Mm-hmm. This is just who's left dealing with this. I feel as though this is whatever the last remnants of whatever 5G was supposed to be. Yes. This is those creators getting a chance to get it out of their system. Right. Or use that like that. We don't want to waste all the time yes. that we spent you know, workshopping this. So we have bits of script and blah, blah, blah. Make it happen, Captain. You know what I mean? And I don't, you know, and I'm not here to spoil books that aren't even out yet, even though the creators apparently are spoiling what happens in the books on their sub stacks. Mm-hmm. So I know you're going to be surprised. And and as we record this, the teaser, or the, the, um, the September DC solicitations are starting to come out. Mm-hmm. And the books are being spoiled there as well. Right. So, again, I'm not in the business of doing that if the companies themselves are in the business of doing that. Um, But if you got into this book thinking that the Justice League was actually dead, then I'm sorry. Right. Um, But this book was fine. Um, I think under different circumstances... Uh, if this was going to be a sort of company line, a company wide change, even if it was just for like a six months or a year where you take those big guns off the table and have the kids, the the legacy characters take over for a while. Mm-hmm. I think that would have just been something interesting to do. But now instead, it's just split up amongst two miniseries, seven one shots and the Flash and Green Lantern ongoing series is. Right. And and this was something like that we talked before the show. You're like, oh, like we were thinking about maybe recording early. And I'm like, I needed time, Joe. Like where you said this book is all right. I'm with you. This book is all right at best. 
because uh, I had to reread this before the show because I read it last week, almost a full week ago. And the only thing I remembered was that Jonathan Kent tried to put together a Justice League team. There's nothing else I remembered. I'm like, when Joe hands the football off to me, I'm going to fumble because I don't know how to explain this book. I have to reread it. It was that, like, you know how we always say, like, either be really good or really bad. And in comics, we like, like in between is the, is the biggest sin. That's where we are with Dark Crisis. I'm like, looks nice. It reads all right. I'm out. You know, yeah. If it's an event book, it should have a little bit more oomph. It should have a little bit more punch. Right. It should have a little bit less uh, Black Adam standing in the shadows looking sad and critiquing everyone. Right. And here's a rundown of how we got here. Like, I honestly feel like everything that happened in like Justice League 75 and other stuff should have happened in this book. If that makes any sense. Yes, I don't know. This is the book those things should have been happening in. Right. That the Justice League should have been killed forever in this book. Exactly. Um, but again, like I said, it's, I definitely am one of the folks um, who have event fatigue. When mm -hmm. I see a page like that in a comic book where it's just <laughs> like you have to read like the ongoing and all this other stuff. I'm just like, I'm out before this even comes out. You know, no, I got you. Yeah. Whereas on the other hand, Thor 26, written by Donny Cates, with art by Martin Kokoro. Uh, it's on the cover. So last issue of the Hulk, uh, Thor was exposed to some gamma radiation. So Thor became a Hulk. And Todd, I'm going to go ahead and spoil this issue. Uh, Odin, who lives inside of Thor's hammer now, mm -hmm. and everyone else thinks that he's dead. I'm not going to. I'm not going to tell you the one thing that Thor does in this, even though they show him doing it on the cover. Right. I'm not going to give that away. But uh, just like in the previous issue of the Hulk, Thor becomes a Hulk. In this issue, Hulk becomes a Thor. <laughs> right. Okay, now this is, I was already reading Hulk. I was already reading Thor. How many extra books did I need to pick up to read this? One, um, okay. the one shot that introduced everything that was happening in these next two books. Right, which was pretty much, you know, written by the same art, written by the same writer. So you're 100% fine with it. Right, written by the same uh, writers. It's the thing that leads up to, it's like, well, here's what was going on in the Hulk book. Here's what was going on in the Thor books. We're going to put those on hold for a moment. Now we need to explain what's going to happen here for the next two months. Mm -hmm. And that's how a crossover should kind of sort of be. I agree. Um, this is a fun book. It's a very straightforward book. There's a lot more subtext to what's going on. There's a lot more things of going on if you're reading the Hulk books and reading the Thor books. But at its core, Thor has become a Hulk. Hulk has become a Thor, <laughs> and in the next issue, they're going to smash each other. And I, I can't wait to read it. Joe, I'm so confused by this plot line. Right. <laughs> it's so tough to follow. We were talking about the comic shop the other, uh, whenever, it doesn't really matter. Not me and you, but uh, a couple other people, the retailer, uh, the, the Colonel Sanders artist. Like, the thing that's really remarkable about uh, Donny Cates is, like, he gets to the nuts and bolts of it, like, really, like, 
he, these comics are comics that, like you said, you could, you could just give to anybody and you don't need to know about Pariah and, you know, what happened to the Justice League. It's just like, oh, here you go. You know, maybe a little bit of like the, the, the Hulk is being piloted by Bruce Banner's, you know, mind kind of a deal. But after that, it's Hulk and Thor fight. Thor becomes Hulk, Hulk becomes Thor, you know, hijinks ensue. You know what I mean? So I'm 100% with sometimes that lean storytelling that Donnie Cates does so well. Right. And we did talk. I, I do remember an issue or two ago where I'm like, yeah, why is the person who looks like Betty still here? But these are things that trip me up as a regular reader of both books. Whereas if I'm just coming into this crossover and I'm just buying these five issues, the one shot, the two issues of Thor, two issues of Hulk, mm -hmm. I'm getting a complete fun story. Right. I'm with you. And what a crossover should do is get you to, if you're reading Hulk, it should try to get you to read Thor. If you're reading Thor, it should try to get you to read Hulk. If you're reading neither, it should try to get you to read one or the other. Or possibly both. Or possibly both. Dark Crisis should be getting you to read something, but it's mm -hmm. getting you to read a bunch of books that are just being released for the next couple months while this crossover is going on. I guess it's going to try to get you to get into Flash and Green Lantern and then whatever the new Justice League book is that's going to spin out of Dark Crisis. Right. But maybe I was already reading just Justice League. I'm with you. Yeah. Just let... Well, not to go back to Dark Crisis, but like you said, it, it makes me not want to read any of the other books. Yeah. Where Thor and Hulk and this whole thing makes me, even though I've been on it, make me want to read more, if that makes any sense. So, right. It makes me happy with my decision that I've been reading these books. Yes. Yeah. It vindicates my decisions, Joe. There you go. And I need vindication. I do. So, hey, that's what we read last week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them in trade, whether you get them sent to your home, whether you get them digitally. Be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is currently in the lead with me with four correct guesses over me. Uh, let's see uh, how we shake out this time. Right. And when we're done, I have a question for you about the pull post. So All right. I'm looking over your list. And once again, because we talk about this like a five Wednesday month, you know, so much fun of having small little weeks. Um, is the book you're looking forward to most? Do a power bomb. Number one. It is do a power bomb. Number one. Okay. Uh, it is the new uh, book by Daniel Warren Johnson, who has done a bunch of other stuff, uh, but I came upon him doing that Beta Ray Bill miniseries at mm -hmm. Marvel uh, about uh, six, seven months ago. Right. Uh, I really like the look of the book. I really like the feel of the book. I thought his art was really good. And uh, he's doing a book about a wrestling. And, and you know me, I like a wrestling. You do. Uh, so looking at your list... Uh, you have a much leaner list than I do. Mm -hmm. uh, I know Bone Bone Orker, Orchard is original stuff. Yep. Uh, I don't want to waste too much time on this because you said you have questions. Yep. 
Um, is the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week? Uh, Fantastic Four number 44? It is not. Uh, Fantastic Four number 44. Um, it is actually Bone Orchard. Okay. Because that's all new stuff. I'm right. Not. I will say, um, <clears throat> excuse me, with uh, that being a original graphic novel, I probably won't get a chance to read that between now and then. That's fine. I can change it if you want. Nope. You listen. It's what you're picking. That's what you're getting. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I could just say that I'm going to read it. I'll give you a quick synopsis, and then I could change my book to Superman: Son of Kal El, number twelve. Nope. That's unfair. That's, that's not how this works. Okay. I was going to change it to Fantastic Four Forty Four, but uh, mm-hmm. and then you would have got a point. But, um, but asking my question that you have now adopted a new strategy with your large, large back catalog. Yes. Out of sight, it was taunting me. Now just three books out out in my eye line at a time. So that's all. Like, wh- like how how big was the stack? It was big. Right. So now, are you reading those three or four or five books, or, or, or now is this just put your like an ostrich putting your head in the sand? It's like uh, I I read four comic books today. Okay. Okay. So how it's much, helping. Okay. So how many do you normally read? I I'd like to read at least one a day. Right. But sometimes things get in the way, like having to watch three TV shows. <laughs> Um, amongst other things. But when I sit here and I look at a giant stack of books, it's like daunting. I'm like, what am I going to do? How nope. am I going to attack this? If I just grab three or four out and I just leave them there, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's not so bad. I could read three or four books. Mm-hmm. I could put three or four books away. And then, oh, I have a bunch more in this other box that's out of sight, out of mind. You know? Right. Fair enough. I was just wondering if it was like, if it was going to work because. If you were reading the same amount, but now you just don't see what you're not reading, that's all. Mm-hmm. Not seeing what I have backlogged is helping just my stress levels. Fair enough. Yeah. But I got books to buy this week, so, you know. Right. We got to do that. Uh, so, hey, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, uh, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and, of course, the current ongoing uh, Silver Standard, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, taking the place of Todd and Joe Have Issues, uh, where we are pitting the uh, worst of the worst of Spider-Man's Rogues Gallery against the worst of the worst of Batman's Rogues Gallery. To see who is the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Because it's very clear that the Flash has the first best mm-hmm. uh, rogues gallery in all of comics. And just the way that the tournament shook out uh, this past week. It was a Spider-Man villain versus a Spider-Man villain. And uh, the Dark Horse won. Surprisingly, uh, this is going to be the man to beat, I think. As uh, Chai Talk the Chicken Cow defeated the White Rabbit. Who I had on like my top six. Wow. Okay. So uh, Chai Talk moves on in the uh, tournament, and like I said, we could we we did discuss this off air. Like, do we reshuffle the tournament bracketings and kind of fool with this so that we have, you know, a Batman versus Spider Man every week? Um, and we decided no, we're just gonna kind of let the chips fall as they may, and uh, that's kind of where we are. So uh, that's how it ended up last week. This week it's gonna end up with a Batman versus Batman. Right. We don't want to go messing with the best thought out bit in podcast history. Eh, um, it's up there. 
Right. So, um, so basically, my it's my two characters now. One that I've done before, which is the Eraser, which I just basically is a character who his job, like his gimmick was, I will erase like clues to your crimes and stuff like that. And he dressed like a number two pencil and had the big eraser topper on his head, and the eraser would would remove you know, fingerprints and whatever. It doesn't matter. I explained it all. It's all pretty ridiculous. So he was in a past episode. You can go listen to that. And the other character is the grasshopper, Joe, which is a character who has a stunning multicolor costume. Um, and he ends up like r- robbing stuff and yells to like Batman chases him. And he goes down this, 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 this hallway and goes out in the roof. And he's like, uh, or goes into this alleyway and he's like, uh, the, the grasshopper's gone. There's only these garbage cans that he could be hiding in. So I'll look in those. Then he looks up on the roof and the grasshopper's off of the roof. And he's like, I'm the grasshopper. I have super strong legs. I have the leaping power of a grasshopper. And Batman's like, oh, we'll never get up in there in time. He's going to get away. Um, so this goes on. He like he follows him another crime. And the grasshopper's like, uh, he runs down the hall, goes around a corner where Batman can't see him, um, goes into this room and out the window on like, you know, on another ledge far away that Batman can't get to is the grasshopper. And he's like, once again, my powerful legs have saved me by jumping across the street. And Batman's like, oh, we're not going to get him. So through a series of events, Batman ends up finding out that it's not one man. It's two men in a grasshopper costume. He was hiding in the garbage can. And the other one was like, hey, I'm up here. It's identical sorcery, Joe. Um, There's two people. And he ends up, once he ends up finding that out, he he ends up using clues to find where they are. And he ends up giving, because now it's not the grasshopper in this book. It's the grasshopper gang. He ends up just serving them their lunch. He just goes over and beats the ever-living heck out of them and puts the grasshoppers in jail. And we never see them again. Oh, come on. It's so stupid. That's your gimmick? A a great idea like that? I have pretend strong legs. Yes. Well, again, this very much sounds like could be either a Spider-Man or a uh, Batman villain. Uh, But I will uh, publicly put my support behind the grasshopper. Right. Because you think he's weaker? Um, Yeah. Right. Eraser's pretty crappy. No, I don't know. I forget who the Eraser beat, but he beat a Spider-Man guy. So already he's he's on my list of uh, <laughs> ne'er-do-wells, you know? Right. I have I have, I have have two on your list, but that's about it. So. Okay. Uh, so, hey, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did, and I actually have them up, so I don't have to go looking for them. Um, from Chris Runt, he's like... Uh, from my collection of Knights of the Fifth Dimension uh, came this amazing TSD ant sketch by Walt Flanagan. Exciting stuff, which I already know what all this is, so we don't have to explain it like we did last time from Blue Juice Comics. So that's nice. I like to take on the uh, the, the, the Knights, which is the Kiss kind of logo thing like that. And that's a nice little... Uh, that's a nice little ant sketch. Like the one he did a few weeks ago, which is how I know all about all this. So I kind of like that. All right. And also from uh, Kidney for Manny, uh, I picked this up a few cons back. Neil signed this and a few others for me. It is a print 
of the basically it's the takeoff of the uh, Muhammad Ali versus Superman fight uh, cover. But this was from Sports Illustrated, which was uh, they ended up doing it to do all like the number two, the number two athletes at the time. So Neil drew it and then he replaced all the other athletes uh, in the background that were on the list. Um, and I always really loved that cover and the takeoff on this. And that's really cool that he got to sign it. And I like that he even has on the back, like in the, uh, the, the, uh, treasury size Muhammad Ali versus Superman is the, the heads with no pictures and the numbers in them. So you can see who made the top 100. That's fantastic. That's a really cool piece, and I question, obviously, coloring is a little bit different versus the way the Superman Muhammad Ali one was done back in the, I assume, 70s? Yes. Versus this one, which is Muhammad Ali versus Michael Jordan. Again, I don't know how he could shoot basketballs with boxing gloves on, but I'm not really sure how sports work. Um, This is one of those few times where I really think that this being done, and it looks like it was done digital coloring, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where I think the digital coloring really helps this one. Right, because it's a newer look, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'd am i love to see what this would look like with the old-style coloring, mm-hmm. but obviously not having the two compared side-by-side, side, just having the Superman Muhammad Ali one in my mind, and then this one, the Muhammad Ali uh, Michael Jordan one, uh, I really like the digital coloring on this. Well, let me put it this way. You know why I think it works better on this one? Is because... It's on high quality paper that the print is on. Like okay. you know, I always discuss, discuss like that old timey coloring works better on newsprint paper, if that makes any sense. And he's not going to make prints out of newspaper print. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I don't. Know, I just look at that. That digital coloring works way better on a higher quality paper. And they made comics on like just, you know, the, the, the lowest of the low back then. And you had to do a different type of coloring to make it work. So that's, that's the only thing I can think of. For sure. So thanks to anyone who went and got some stuff done, commissions done, sketches done, bought some prints, or you yourself am a aspiring artist. Just tag Todd's art attack in that. And we'll be sure to share it with the rest of the world. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, mentioned over before, longboxheroes.com. You want to help us out, support us, buy some shirts, pins, or stickers directly from us, from our store. If you want more designs inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, at Odds with Wrestling, hit my music. You can head over to our T Public store, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. Get those designs on everything from cell phone covers to notebooks to everything in between. You can also sign up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month is going to get you two bonus shows from Todd and myself every month. One is looking at the films of independent filmmaker Mark Pirro in the Pirro Mounties uh, show and previewing the past, 1990, uh, looking at uh, previews catalog 30 years ago this month. We're in 1992 uh, we just recorded June. The $5 and up folks get those first. Uh, the dollar and everyone else get those a little bit later on. Uh, but this is like the summer that comics that everyone knows. We've been saying throughout the course of this 30 years ago, 30 years ago, 30 years ago. This is the 30th anniversary of Image Comics becoming a thing. This is the 30th anniversary coming up of Spider-Man 2099. This is the 30th anniversary of the death of Superman. All this stuff is coming up. And hey, no matter you're at the dollar level, the $5 level, any level, 
we put the full scans of those previews up. Even if you don't get a chance to listen to the shows, go back and look through those previews catalogs. Just look to see what the world of comic books was 30 years ago. It's one right. thing to listen. It's another thing to see it, you know? That's right. You get those high, you get those scans of the high quality job that they put into doing some of those ads, Joe. I, the- I, I was going to say professionally done high quality scans. That's right. Definitely proofread every time. Yes. So- and, uh, and like I said, $5 uh, a month or more, you're going to get these two bonus shows two weeks before everyone else, and you're going to get After Dark uh, two days before everyone else, so you can listen to these shows uh, in the correct listening order. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way that you can help us out is making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon click-through at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com. Uh, also, affiliate link in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter how you're getting the episodes. Does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, calls it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. And this part of the episode where I say that for Todd. uh, Some of the notable purchases (laughs) through the Amazon click-through this past week include uh, a book entitled Secret Dublin, An Unusual Guide. Right. that's pretty neat. Uh, again, if you're a touristy person, if you live in an area like that, a book like this where it's like all the secret underground weird and interesting things that maybe not everyone knows about. Um, you know, I think that's a really neat idea, you know? And I love when uh, Amazon purchases are doubling, Joe. Mm. See what I did there? Word they only play. bought one copy. So, oh, I follow what you're saying. I gotcha. Uh, somebody purchased the Ball Brand Four Piece Sip and Straw Lid Set for regular mouth mason jars. Mm. Uh, I don't know. You drinking? Yeah, listen, you're supposed to sip your moonshine. Moonshine, but what do I know? Right, I chug moonshine, but I uh, can't see anymore. So, and uh, somebody purchased a three tier glass uh, shower caddy. Mm-hmm. I'm not reading all the descriptions. That's for the other show. <laughs> right. uh, but I never have any good luck uh, with those shower caddies. And, uh, you know, the, getting the tension spring just right. Right, right. Uh, getting things to balance on them. Heaven forbid that I had to put glass in my shower. Oh. I'd be I'd be showering with broken glass. That's right. See, I don't have a sh- I don't have like a, a shelf in my shower. I just hire a guy in a scuba suit to hand me stuff. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I'm like, you know, like shampoo, please, Jeeves. Here you go. That poor, poor scuba man. <laughs> right. And uh, hey, listen, because Amazon is affiliated with Comicsology, if you are a digital comic book person. Uh, you could purchase your digital comic books through our uh, affiliate link. Uh, just like this week, somebody purchased the latest issues of G.I. Joe, Star Wars, and Amazing Spider-Man. He went out and bought himself a Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> Buy a ticket to a Star Wars, remember? Oh, okay. Thanks, Lucille. Yep. All right. So, hey, that's all we got for the main show. It's time to get into some TV show talk. Yes. Uh, it's going to be spoiler-filled, so if you haven't watched the latest episodes, we're always a week behind on Obi-Wan, uh, Miss Marvel, and the boys, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. Episode 610, Longbox Heroes. And uh, I figure we'll go in order oldest to newest. Um, we'll start with Obi-Wan, huh? That's fine. All right. 
Uh, so, oh, go. I'll, you know what? You go ahead and start. Right. So at the end of last episode, they have the Empire has uh, young Leia and her droid Lola. So uh, Ben is like, I need to get like what her name is Tala. Um, he ends up asking her for help and she ends up showing her him, her uh, her, her like group or underground uh, people that that save Jedi. And he's like, OK, I need you to to look into stuff. And she ends up finding out where Leia is. And she's like, I can use my empire cover to get us in there. It's probably still good. Um, and she ends up, you know, taking Ben to where Leia is. And she's in this like pyramid that's in an ocean kind of a deal. That's the best way I could describe it. And uh, Reva is talking with Leia who's like, Hey, like, you know, there's some bad people where, you know, like given the whole spiel talking to a kid, trying to dumb it up, for and I do I did like the things like you know we, you could help us we'll, and you know we'll send you back to your family, blah blah blah. And she's like, but I don't want anybody hurt. And I love when Reva just goes, I give you my word, no one will hurt. I'm like liar. And if that kid doesn't know Reva's a liar, <laughs> get her out of here. And she's like, no, like I'm not helping you. Let me call my father first. And she's like, no, well, we have other ways. We're going to interrogate. And she takes her to the interrogation room. Um, and while that's going on, Tala and Ben have, like, in infiltrated the place. And Tala's helping Ben get through, like, the corridors, getting to her. Um, and he comes in underwater because that becomes prevalent later. And he goes and he ends up saving uh, Leia from uh the the inquisitors if you will in a really cool scene of her strapped to a scary scene of leah trapped to like the interrogation thing and it go and it goes dark because the power goes off and like ben's got the, the the lightsaber and you know the blue color i'm like oh this is really cool he ends up saving her um ends up tala and her start leaving they do the old uh gag of two people in one coat kind of thing <laughs> to get them out um sh they get away um and vader shows up and he's like you you let them all get away and like hey reva i think i should kill you for this and reva's like wait i put a tracker on them we can follow them which is who gives vader the idea to do it all the way later in a new hope to let them escape the death star and find their their uh what do you call it uh, their base on yavin 4 um, but not before they get a few casualties of the people helping them. And we find out that the uh, tracker's in uh, Leah's sassy robot Lola. Did I miss anything? No, I think that covers everything. And again, it's baby Leia and girl BB-8. Thank you very much. Okay. Go right. by their names in the script. Okay. Um, Shoot names, brother. This episode very much tugged on your episode four slash new hope heartstrings mm -hmm. we weren't on the death star but there was a lot of death star feels to this uh episode right right the, the 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 corridors going to find leia in one of those things and you would think in new hope baby leia was was held captive on a thing and there's, you know, whatever evil presences are there. And then she's strapped down and there's going to be a machine that's going to interrogate her. When all these things happen to her in A New Hope, at some point, you don't think she would have looked at the screen and it's like, this all feels somewhat familiar, right? Right. Um, I, but I, I, go ahead. I, I was just, at least Ben's 50-50 for getting her out of those. Sure, sure. Right? 
Um, now, I, I know you're going to be surprised. About, oh, and then the the planet that they were on, the water planet was uh, no, that wasn't Jabin. Uh, Noor, right? Right. Noor is the water moon, which was which is opposite of Mustafar. Which is the lava moon where Vader needlessly elaborately lives. Right, build his castle where he got burned. Right. It was, it's odd that there's a water moon next to a lava moon. But. It's not. Listen, do you, you have your space degree? No, I don't. I don't. So, but I have a nitpick. I don't know if you're done. I've got several nitpicks, Todd. Okay, I'm just going to do my one. Well, no, two. Um, one, one of them is along the way, I did not mention that Obi-Wan finds all the corpses being, uh, preserved of dead Jedi. Um, I, I get the thing of I'm evil and I like having the, the dead fallen, like, you know, as trophies, but I always feel like that's a bad look for any, like, uh, you know, uh, iron fist regime. Cause it's like evidence. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I, I get like, that. You're trying to convince people that you're doing things for their own good. Mm-hmm. But when you're keeping a crypt of like corpses, frozen in Amber, maybe, you know, somebody right. sees this, it might give them the wrong idea. Right. And my second gripe is, um, if you have, if, if you have a hallway underwater, Joe, Yes. You have glass, plastic, whatever it is, that if you're in a detention center and, you know, people can escape and you have people with blasters, why would you have anything that that's not that could shatter under the weight of the water when you crack it? Why not just have all metal down the hallways? Oh, that's right. You need it to escape kind of a deal. You need it to see the sea life. Right. So... Under the sea. So uh, that scene is where I have a lot of my nitpicks to right. start. So uh, Ben gets Leia, and it's like, Leia, stand behind me while I deflect these blasters with my lightsaber that I haven't used in 10 years, and I could barely trick two stormtroopers to look over there, but I'm going to be able to deflect these blaster bolts. Oh, you're going to walk around aimlessly behind me? And then in front of me at one point while they're shooting. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll just do it then, right? Right. She's got the luck of the force, John. Ah, uh, sure, the luck of the force. Uh, it's like a Fry's five leaf clover, right? Yep. So then, uh, as as Todd mentioned, the glass is starting to break. The water's going to come through. Obi Wan's using his best to hold it, you know. So, uh, uh, what's her face can get Leia out, right? Right. And it's like, all right, got Leia safety. I'm going to come. Obi-Wan lets it go. He runs. Going to get the doors behind him. And the doors close so perfectly behind him that not a single drop of that rushing water that was literally right behind him comes through the door. He used the force to repel it, Joe. All right. And again, I will say the same Obi-Wan who (laughs) has not used the force in the last 10 years who had to struggle to get two dopey stormtroopers to look the other way. Right. But and he was able to he was able to control a torrent of water while running uh from coming through the the same things uh with him as well. Right. And remember Ben needed a pebble to do the same thing in a new hope, Joe. That's true. 
Now, uh, they get away. The less said about hiding Leia under a coat, the better. <laughs> right. Um, so they're about to make their daring escape. Reva catches them. And then, um, you know, the part of the resistance, like the beginnings of the rebel resistance, uh, Roken, who they had met earlier today, he sends two of his pilots there to help him, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know what the architecture is of that landing area where they were is, right? Mm-hmm. Because when they came into it, it certainly looked like it was not open air. It looks like it was a hatch that opened up. And they flew in. Okay. When these two ships show up, they are certainly doing a lot of open air going up over their heads maneuvering inside of a closed space. Okay. I saw it as, and not trying to like be the guy who's going to counteract you. I saw it as a, like a place that had an opening. You know what I mean? Like you said, it's... like a cave you're looking at it and then it went out to a landing strip that had nothing over it so depending on where you were standing you had a roof and then you kind of went out you know what i mean they didn't they didn't do a good job of establishing what the architecture of that place was right and when the ships were going up i'm like oh they're gonna crash into the obviously not okay all right um this episode was fine It, it it leaned a little too heavy on hey you guys remember new hope there's a bunch of stuff from New Hope. Hope you yep. enjoy. Yep. Though he's he's getting his force back with the adrenaline, Joe. It's an adrenaline high. That's all. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Next up, uh, we have Miss Marvel episode one. Now, I don't know how many episodes there are of Miss Marvel. Six. Oh, there's going to be six. Okay. Uh, so... How familiar from the comic books are you with Kamala Khan? She's got stretchy powers, end of what I know. Right. So in the comics, uh, she's an inhuman, or she has latent inhuman powers, or she was uh, she was exposed to the Terrigen Mists, right? Mm-hmm. And I saw some people online, it's like, oh, they went too far away from the comics, you know, to give her her powers, right? Right. I say the less you could do about reminding people that the Inhumans are a thing, the better. Right, even though we had an Inhuman appear in the Multiverse of Madness, but go ahead. Okay, well, listen, you keep that over there. This self-contained Kamala Khan is a teenage girl. We get a lot of teenage girl stuff. She's got a friend. uh, What's the, the, it's not a boyfriend, but it's her boyfriend. Right. Um. His name is her best friend is Bruno. Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno, but anyway, he's he, right, he's like a tinkerer. He's like a scientist. Uh, he makes a Zuzu a knockoff. Uh, don't call it Alexa. Uh, don't call it Siri. Sort of thing. Uh, right. For her family, we're introduced to her very large family. We're introduced to her friends. We're introduced to a high school rival. We're introduced to her being kind of a daydreamer, wanderer, whatever. Um, but she really wants to go to AvengerCon. The first uh, AvengerCon. The first AvengerCon. She even has this really cool uh, Captain Marvel costume. She makes videos. She puts them up on the YouTube. She's got her own YouTube's channel. Um, and there's a package that comes because one of her siblings are getting married. 
The mother sees who the package is from, says it's a bunch of junk, go put it up in the uh, the attic. She wants to put a special flair, a special flavor, a special something on her Miss Marvel co- or her, her Captain Marvel costume. She sees this bangle, this bracelet, this whatever. So that's what she's going to use as part of her thing. And that's what gives her the powers, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, while she's there, she uses the powers. And instead of her herself being stretchy, um, the the... The, the band allows her to have like this like purple thing come out of her. Almost uh, like a Green Lantern power as far as Yeah, almost like Green Lantern-y, uh, something of that nature, which is, you know, which is fine, which is cool, which is whatever. Um, a lot of high school drama, a lot of teen angst, a lot of Family. parental stuff, a lot of laughs, a lot of jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say the strongest thing about this show is its visual style. Okay. Uh, I thought what they did visually with her being a head in the clouds dreamer, having all these ideas and how she wants the world to kind of be, because she's a kid, she's a teenager, right? When she and uh, Bruno are walking home and they're talking over what they're going to do with the costumes, the different takes in the costumes, what they're talking about we're seeing in the background. Mm-hmm. On buildings, on streets, on other things. There's another part where she gets in trouble and she's texting Bruno, and we're getting to see the text conversation as part of the backgrounds, the streets, the buildings, and that sort of thing. When she pitches her idea of how they're going to be able to escape to get out just for a few hours, uh, to go, be able to go to Avengers Con, we get to see this large, fanciful thing where they're both larger than life and everything looks great and they're doing flips and they've got superpowers. And then we get the plan laid out in front of us. And then when they actually do it, we get to see two bumbling teenage kids fail and sloppily do things and fall behind on the schedule. And we're getting to see the schedule kind of fall apart as they're doing it. Uh, but I really like the visual style of this show the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this was a fun show. I think this is uh, something that, like, you know, and and most importantly, I would say almost most importantly, no swears. Yeah, especially because it's a 16-year-old, you know, hero yeah. kind of a deal. I will say this. I'm, I'm going to go over it. I, I thought this was a fun show. I had a lot of fun. Once again, I kind of like going in not knowing a lot of stuff because, like, you know, like, I've said this before to people, like when you, when I watched Winter Soldier, like I'm not surprised who the Winter Soldier turns out to be. And I understand that like Marvel will, will swerve from certain ideas, but they're not swerving from who the Winter Soldier was. So I don't know anything about like Carol Danvers or Miss Marvel. So as I'm watching those movies, you know, where people knock them, whatever, it's new. So it's fresh, something I, I, I could be surprised in. So I like that about this show. I have a feeling, because um, I was talking with this with Adam, that I think that there's another band too, maybe like, I think like they're going to be the mega bands or whatever from Captain Marvel. And she's going to have two of them. I like that idea, but, uh, and I love everything you said. Like you said, like the, the, the plot, the plan was fantastic. Her, like, here's my plan when they have the minutes and they have it down and like right off the bat, she's the first thing on the list when they do it, when they actually try to escape, it's like 20 minutes, they're 20 minutes late. And I'm like, I know where this is going, and I absolutely love it. The only thing I will say as um, some of it wasn't for me because, you know, teenage stuff, and I get that. Um, not every That old saying, not everything has to be for me. 
Um, I really liked it, but the the visuals, which were stunning, and I liked the ideas, confused and and angered me at times because I'm an old. Really? Uh, yes. Um, when she's riding on the bike, I liked it. I was like, because occasionally I would catch it, um, but a lot of times I was like, where do I look? Do you know what I mean? Like I'm 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 getting it to that era of my life. Like, oh, okay, there it is. She's on the building now, and I lo- but I lost it. That kind of threw me off. Um, the bit with the, uh, the texting, I really liked because they ended up making, when someone texts and they text somebody and they look at their phone, when it's on a TV screen, they always make it real, real small. So you have to like, I usually have to pause it. I'm like, okay, it's really big. But then they started using emojis Uh and I'm emoji, like illiterate. Like, I'm like, is that a little crying face is like i tell people and that's we we joke on on you know we, me and adam we're talking and that comes to like porch talk he's like i don't understand emojis i don't i don't understand emoticons and i don't understand emojis don't send them to me because i won't understand what you're trying to convey so that kind of threw me off and then when we get to avengers con this is the only one i kind of get what they were trying to do is that they only had so little time um that they went through everything so fast but i would have liked to seen one or two things, I was like, I don't know what happened in any of the scene. That was a hat she maybe bought. That was a shirt that was on a table. That's an Ant-Man hand as when he's the giant version. I'm like, I don't know. It's all too fast. But one thing that I do like is they end up introducing Laurel in this, this the most popular girl in school. And I do think she's going to be, that, that they're going to just totally rip off Spider-Man. And that's going to be her Flash Thompson. I like that idea, unless that's the way it is in the comic, and I just don't know. That's pretty much what I have to say about Miss Marvel. Saying all that, though, I did enjoy the episode. You know what I mean? Uh, listen, as a old myself, uh, I guess I'm less old than you, since I do understand emojis and emoticons. I just don't use them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only two that I use is the old school typing a semicolon and uh, either like a closed or an open parentheses, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do, uh, I write out uh, the rubs chin emoji one. Right. Um, I always send uh, a lot of the women I know uh, peach emojis because I'm hoping they'll uh, be a peach pie. Oh, there you go. And it never seems to work out, Joe. All right. Uh, listen, if that's not a segue into talking about the boys, I don't know what is. <laughs> right. Uh, so. Um, the boys. Uh, yeah, so the boys. Uh, there's a chance that we're going to have to start talking about this show um, on After Dark. I think we could get around it, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, not so much as like the content of the show, because I think we do a very good job uh, with dealing with the content and the adult nature of the materials in the show, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's more so as my reaction to every time something happens in the show. Right. Uh, I swear in real life when talking about it. <laughs> right. You're going to slip up here is what you're saying? Yeah, I'm a little concerned that I would slip up. But, it, well, you know, we we've, been doing this sh- we've been doing this show for so long, I think we've slipped up between us like three times, you know? And one guest about cross the comic, but anyway. Right, right. Well, I don't know whatever happened to that guy. Right. Um, hey, I, can I just start out by saying, um, of all the crazy things that happened... Uh, mm-hmm. The thing that I popped the most for was um, 
Soldier Boy singing Rapture on Solid Gold? That was so horrible. And I mean that in a... <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, not horrible in like, like, oh, like, this is bad TV. Like, it was meant to be horrible. And he and Je- uh, Jason Kankles crushed it. So good. So good. Um, and I don't know if you know this. There's an extended version of that on YouTube. Like the whole song. Oh, there is? Yeah. All I right. highly recommend going to find it. All right. Or at least there's more of it. You know what I mean? Is there like a dedicated The Boys YouTube's channel? I honestly think there's a Vought YouTube channel. Because that was where all the stuff, and you didn't want any of it, which is fantastic. But there was, ev- on the 7th of every month, the 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 Bill O'Reilly knockoff from the show, he would do stories and interview like he interviewed Huey for a little bit, and they'd have fake uh, Vought commercials. Yeah, it was the best, and it really didn't give anything away. Because it was just it, more like uh, flavor. Yes, yes, because it was like. And it was also kind of recapping. It would be like, this is where the the group that that uh, Huey worked for, what they were doing in between the seasons. So it was like, so far, I haven't seen anything spoiled, you know, from watching them. But they also have that on there. And then I'm trying to think there's something else that's extended. Oh, they have, that has nothing to do with the show. That Fox News guy has a blooper reel, uh-huh. like, a fake blooper reel where it's him cussing into the camera, having meltdowns, all of that famous Bill O'Reilly melt blooper meltdowns. Right. It's fantastic. Uh, so, yeah, I do see here the guest appearance on Solid Gold. I see a Soldier Boy PSA from 1984. Oh, yes, they do a whole bunch of PS. Watch that. That's fantastic, Joe. So that's uh, Vought International is the uh, uh, YouTube channel name. Right. So, hey, so listen, I'll just say this. Uh, Homelander is just even more evil and even more whatever with power. The boys are over in Russia on a mission. Unfortunately, uh, they have to sacrifice Kamiko to go do so. Uh, she has to pose as a lady of the evening. Uh, and in doing so, she is introduced to a cabinet of apparatuses. That are inspired by your favorite members of the seven. <laughs> no pun intended. Um, some look to be bigger than seven. <laughs> right. um, those are then used as weapons in a very comical and horrible and graphic nature. Um, again, we're in spoiler talk. So they do a fake out. Where one of the girls that Kamiko is there to, I guess, save or get the whatever. Shoots Kamiko in the head. And I jumped, and then I'm like, oh, that's right. Kamiko can't be killed. Yep. And that was to remind you, so when it happens later, after they go and find the weapon, and the weapon doesn't exist, unless the weapon uh, is Jamie the Hamster, which I don't think it is. <laughs> right. Um, it's the fact that the Russians have been keeping Soldier Boy alive in a tank for these nigh-on and however many years. Soldier Boy lets out like this pulse this something right we don't know what it is and he gets away but whatever he did causes kamiko's healing not to work right so that's what's going on over here 
Right. I just want to touch. Can I want to touch on the Kamigo Absolutely. Thing? Before we get into the meat of the show, which is Homelander. Right. And there's a couple other things, too, like that small things that I'm that I that I'm actually interested in. Um, the Kamiko thing. I like the whole thing that she's afraid that she's becoming a monster. Yes. And that like she's take like in the past episode, she was like me doing that and fighting uh, one of the one of the, the soups at the park. I took away that kid's, you know, childhood. And in this, she's like, that's it. When it's when we do this, we do this mission and it's over and I'm out. But I will say how great that actress is, is kind of like reminds me of uh, the guy who was playing Moon Knight. Like when she gets out of the van and they start playing that girl is poison. Yes. And she can't walk on heels, but she's in that like jaw dropping dress. I was crying. And then she gets to the door and he's like, who are you? And she puts on the, the, the fake call girl, like, Oh, like sexy smile. And then she walks past and she goes right back to Kamiko. I'm like, this whole scene is amazing. And then when she's done and she's just covered in blood and all the other women are screaming and she's just like, I, I am a monster. Like just great character development in that little bit for someone who's acting. She doesn't speak and everything. I love it. Love Kamiko. Uh, yeah. So she's a really good actress. Um, like I said, she doesn't get a ton to do. She hadn't gotten a ton to do in the previous seasons. She, mm-hmm. I noticed that she has gotten a lot more to do in the, in like this season so far. Right. Um, and a lot of the folks in this show are very attractive people, and they purposely ugly them up, I think, to show right. how ugly everything is in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is with uh, who's the guy? Well, I can't think of it. What's the Captain America guy's name? The Captain Oh, um, I just know that it's the boyfriend. It's, uh, it's uh, Starlight's ex-boyfriend, Alex. No, no, the one that's trapped in Russia. Soldier Boy. Soldier Boy. I always forget that. I can't remember Soldier Boy. So Soldier Boy's the weapon, right? Well, I assume, like, we were led to believe that there was an actual physical weapon. Uh, BCL Red is what Maeve calls it earlier in the episode. Right. Um, But obviously, the weapon is Soldier Boy. Right, I'm wondering if it's like uh, the, the the stuff that they use to give the superpowers. I can't think of what the Vought stuff is called. Um, uh, but he has the power. That's They're like, okay, we don't have the gun, but maybe we can use him on Homelander. And he could lose his powers. Um, and in that, Huey, uh, everybody finds out that Butcher's taken Compound V. And so is Huey now. And they're like, the team has just completely fallen apart. Right. So. Completely unraveled. Tons of mistrust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because when earlier in the episode when Huey confronts Butcher about it, and Butcher's like, no one else knows, and if you tell them, I'll kill you, essentially. And then he says, Well, I only had the one dose, but then obviously he doesn't. But then doesn't this mean he's out of doses? Because then he only have the three. I'm wondering, because it looks like in this one, he only took half a dose. Ah, okay. I'm honestly thinking he's like, if, if this works for 24 hours, maybe I'll take a smaller dose and it'll last for a lesser amount of time. So he has the one dose left. I think Huey shot up the, the last of the second dose, but don't hold me on that. I yeah. could be wrong. And then it just looks like it makes you junkies for compound V the 24 hour version. Right. And then I think what's going to end up happening is if he does butcher have a half a dose left, mm-hmm. he's going to, he's going to be forced by Frenchie to use it to save Kamiko. 
Yes, I. Uh, but the way I'm saying it is okay. He used the one to kill a soldier boy sidekick in the gunpowder. Well, yes, and then he his second dose. He used half, and Butcher used uh, Huey used half, and Butcher used half. So that means he, in my mind, he has one full dose left. Okay. But like I said, he he might have used one each for Huey and and Butcher. But right, we'll, we'll see. We'll Butcher, see. Butcher didn't know that Huey used it. Hmm. But Huey goes and exposes that he used it uh, in more than one way in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. So now the rest of the team know that not only does Huey have it, but also Butcher has it. Everybody's got lots of explaining to do. And I do like the fact that it gave Huey super speed, a la the thing that killed his girlfriend in the first episode. There you go. That's like, it's like, it's, it's like poetry because it rhymes, Joe. And super healing because it fixed his broken arm. Oh, that we have to, when we get to... But that's going to throw off his story because now he has to get a new cast, but it won't have a certain thing on it, Joe. Right. Well, and the other thing is, of course, um, you know, at the end of last episode, we get the deal where Homelander announces on TV that he and Starlight are dating. Hashtag Homelight. (laughs) And when they're over in Russia, there's all this anti- um, Homelander propaganda, but loved also on, all that. Loved all that, and the, but also on the TV is the propaganda talking about uh, Homelander and Starlight being together and showing Huey as a crying baby about all of it, and That's he has to fantastic. sit there and watch all of it. Right. So back in the states, uh, Starlight is attempting to rally the troops mm-hmm. uh, to stage an attack to bring down Homelander. A coup. Staging a coup, Joe. Oh, boy. Enough of staging. Somebody should watch this to see how staging a coup is done and how it usually ends up. (laughs) There you go. Okay. I'm sure he already watched it, but I don't think he could. I don't think he realizes "Hmm, maybe this is a parallel to my own life. Anyway. (laughs) uh, So while he's uh, while Starlight's doing that, um, Stan Edgar is having his adopted daughter who's in charge of the CIA thing. Uh, she is going to go and do a press conference, uh, again, not to, uh, like do anything truly negative to Homelander, but just a gentle ribbing, if you will, to let him know who's still in charge. Mm -hmm. Well, and I forget her name, but she's great in this episode. The, uh, the, 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 the public affairs girl with the red hair. Right, right. So she's fantastic in this episode. She gets wind of it, tells Homelander. Homelander figures out on how to take care of this, which is he gets to Vicky ahead of time. Vicky then pulls the the uh, the Ottawa betrayal on Stan Edgar, <laughs> right? And is like, Vought has been up to all this bad stuff. Stan Edgar has been doing all these things, so on and so forth. Where Stan thinks she's gonna go and like give like FCC fines to Homelander for swearing on TV, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently the deal was so that Vicky can make sure that no matter what happens and all this stuff that goes on, that her daughter Zoe is saved. Mm-hmm. And Homelander gives her a little black velvet bag, and she looks inside, and she's like, mm, okay. Then she goes back to the house, and she gives Zoe, her daughter, a shot with it, right? Right. Now, they don't come right out and say it, but I, I, I'm pretty sure that's the cure. That's the thing that takes away your superpowers. No. No. No, that's compound V. 
Oh, that was the oh. So she's giving her daughter the superpowers. Right. She's. Giving, I thought she was taking it away. No, no, because her daughter doesn't have any powers. Gotcha. She says because I misread he, that. Right. When when Homelander shows up, he's like, he's like, this is you know here it is, and she's like, is it the real stuff? He's like, all all eleven herbs and spices. He's like that, and she ends up saying, this will make you strong. You will never have to worry about you know being you know in danger again so she's trying to soup super up and then when she does it ends up hurting her as it like every soup that we talk that talks about getting their compound v it it hurts them like starlight said it hurt and the deep said it hurt and stuff like that now did homelander pull some shenanigans I don't know. Like that yeah. will be remain to be seen. But I, that's the way I took that that whole scene. I just assume the Homelander's always up to no good. Oh, that yes, yes. So uh while uh we get the bit, of course, with A Train where he wants to go and take on Blue Hawk. Yes. Who is uh kind of causing some problems in the urban neighborhoods, but he's a small potatoes. Not a big deal. The Deep's like, oh, we really shouldn't have to worry about this. Deep and A-Train get into it um, about their specific things that they leaked out to kind of take some of the steam out of Homelander. Right. Uh, then we see that commercial for uh, A-Train's energy oh, drink. I That made me so hot again, Joe. Okay. Oh, that commercial is just... Were you thirsty and needed an energy drink? Is that yes. what was going on? And you know that's a takeoff of a real commercial, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, that famous Pepsi commercial. So I, I think with this episode, and I think you mentioned it the previous episode when there was the stuff um, with the amusement park, right? Right, with the, B, the Black Lives Matter BLTs. Yes, how this is all supposed to be like parody and kind of like turning these things on their head. But you know there's a, there's more people than we care to admit. Mm-hmm. That look at these things and are like, these are actually really good ideas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. But uh, one of the things that I would like to mention is I like when uh, Homelander and Edgar meet because he got him, not he got him like knocked out. And I love the fact that of all the people, like he never backs down from Homelander. Yes. And he gives him the what for. He's like, this is going to happen. And I just want you to know you've taken over Vought. It is your, it's your going to be your own downfall. It is going to be. And he's like, what do you mean? Everything up to this point, people have covered for you. There's nobody to cover for you. Now, every decision you make, you have to fix or you have to get the blame for it. And you are not the man hand, like that can handle that stuff. And Joe, he's starting to remind me of a, of a person, but I can't put my finger on it, Homelander. Cody Rhodes? Maybe oh. that bit, and then the bit of ask, uh, giving them the taco salad. Um, there's something I don't know. I just can't put my finger on who this character is, Joe. I'm not picking up what you're putting down. It's Trump. Oh, right. They're going like heavy into it now. Well, didn't uh, what's his face? Uh, uh, Anthony, whatever the actors who played this, like he he talked about like in some interviews where that was a lot of his. Uh, inspiration for his oh. portrayal for this season. Oh yeah, but now like it, it is, but they're kind of like saying, and I really don't want to talk about politics, but this, this is kind of what it is. It's like you, like when you were the 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 real estate mogul, 
you were fine. But then when you had to make real decisions, it, you know, it was your downfall that, and then did you ever see when Trump did the thing about the taco salads? Yeah. See now, it, now that you mentioned it, I do remember it. Yes. Right. So they're starting to drop in real bits that he has done. And I'm like, okay, because it's done so well, I don't care. Cause mm-hmm. like the guy who plays Homelander should get all the Emmys, right. all the Emmys. But, and the other thing that Homelander does is like earlier on, when we mentioned the cast and he's talking to Starlight and Huey and he's like, oh, nice cast. And he's like, oh, um, he's going to be on the team, the, 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 the one character, uh, Anthony. And he's like, watch out because that's how, you know, me and Ma- Maeve hooked up. And, and I'm just joking. Don't, don't, don't get your, you know, in a bunch. He's like, and he just grabs the arm and signs the cast. I was like, that is such a power like <laughs> jerk move yeah like he's like now while your arm is healing for the rest of whatever you have to look at my signature that like of all the things that he did in this are pretty bad that's the one that i actually give big props to because it really doesn't harm anybody but it's a power move i'm like that's fantastic uh so speaking of power moves speaking of big things that he does <laughs> Uh, they're leaving a premiere, whatever it is, and uh, Homelander says to Starlight, "Hey, let me f- let's go fly. Let me carry you. I want to show you this great view." And he takes her to the top of that building that he was at the end of season two, but there's someone else there, and it's her ex boyfriend Alex who won the oh. knockoff American Idol thing. I said, but, Aunt, "Sorry, Alex." Yes, it's okay, but he ain't got no more face no more. He's done, and this is where Homelander essentially says, like, I know what you're up to. Uh, A-Train stooged you off, which, again, was it A-Train? Was it the Deep? Who was it who stooged him off? I don't know. This could just be him lying again, but it doesn't matter. He knows, and he essentially has her repeat, if you try this again, what you're looking at here in front of you, this will be Huey next. Um, I'm going to say this, Joe. Uh, yeah, that that was amazing. Where he's like, "I want you to actually say it," yes. and that that's another power move. Fantastic, but I one hundred percent think it was a train. You do? Yes, because did the deep even know about it? So I'm not even saying that it was the deep. I'm not saying that it can't be a train. It certainly could be a train, but. Could it be Homelander like getting it from someone else and selling A Train down the river to build more resentment or deceit amongst the group that are against him? Okay, now let me first, like, from what we have, I honestly think it was A Train because they were trying to give A Train a redemption arc here for a little bit. Where it's like, oh, well, I'll do like, you know, uh, things that concern the, the, you know, the the African-American people in like small, like in poorer areas. And he's like, I want to do this. And they keep stomping on him, like going, no, you know, like that's not going to cut it with my base um, that I'm trying to build up. And I'm like, okay. And I feel that was him trying to get back in with Homelander because he's a, he's a scuzz. Like we, we've established that. I really think it, it's him, but I think the great fake out would be it was Alex. And that's not really Alex. That's somebody else with their face torn off. Really? That, that he betrays Starlight because, um, my one thing was when Starlight told A-Train, I'm like, you're just making a mistake. Like, stop it. But I have a weird feeling that it's actually Alex. 
that did it. Like, cause he seems way too nice, way, way too nice for a super. Well, he does make the ref the comment to her that New York has really changed her. Yes. Uh, uh, Alex to Starlight that she's not the girl that he, the, the girl that he fell in love with all those years ago or whatever it mm-hmm. was. Right. Right. Um, so I don't think the world has changed him yet. I get what you're thinking, but no, I, I think Alex is really dead. Okay. That was just a theory. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of but, theories, a lot of things, but this was one of those episodes, like outside of that Stan Edgar moment where he pretty much just tells Homelander, like, this is going to be your downfall as the episode ends. Like this was the most dread that I've had for our heroes to date. It's just like they're sunk. There's right. nothing they can do now. Right, and I worry because the the uh, the uh, how the the show has been structured. It always seems like each season the boys like go their own way, if that makes any sense. Yes, and then they're forced to get back together. That happened at the end of season one. At the end of season two, they, like that was lesser. They had the upper hand, but they all went their separate ways, and then they were brought back together. The way I want this season to end is this is the Empire Strikes Back era. Of the boys, okay, where it ends and it's like everything has gone to heck. We're on the run. Um, home, the Empire, a la Homelander, has the upper hand. Like I want Homelander at the end of the season not to get any comeuppance yet, but to be like I have all the cards. Like it only gets worse for our heroes from here on out for next season. This is and this is not like an original thought. I, I see this is primarily the prevailing wisdom online uh, in that um, they are heroes convinced somehow soldier boy to assist them. Mm-hmm. And then Homelander takes care of uh, soldier boy within seconds. And yeah. he's pretty much a non-factor. He's been a red herring this whole time. Um but and I'm with you. I do not think they solve the Homelander problem at the end of this season. Don't you think at like in the second they solve the Homelander problem, the series is over? I mean, I didn't read the boys. Like, there's nothing I want to see of the taking the boys taking on anything. Um, after if if they take say the show runs six seasons and they get rid of Homelander in season four, you're, the show's done. Like, who's going to, like, it, you're not going to get a better villain. You're not. Um, but So even if you take Homelander out, you can't kill him. Okay, that to me, that's the, that's the end game, is to kill Homelander. But there's ways that they can incapacitate him. There's ways that they can take his teeth out. Like, at the end of season two, he, like, he seemed to be, like, almost like, ineffective like nothing he could do to could work and even with the way that this season started we talked about it like the first episode and a half you almost felt bad for him which is crazy yes totally and then by the end of episode two when he figures out what he can do um it's you know curtains for our heroes as they say Mm -hmm. um but now it's just him playing with them now eventually so it gets to a point where either they have to kill homelander or homelander kills all of them right so what do you do? Well, I, I'm hoping the heroes win in the end, but... Right. Who knows? What if Homelander wins in the end? Anything could happen at this point. Yep. 
But, anyway. but I, I've really been enjoying the show. Uh, I look forward to the time where April decides that she has free time in her life so we could wa- I could watch these episodes again. I was just going to ask you, because like it never comes up, like what her reactions are. On Nothing. We, she, has, she hasn't got a chance to watch any of them. And I'm really mad we haven't had any milk drinking up to this point. That's the last thing. Once he drinks that milk, that's when you know this, like it's endgame. Yep. You know, that's him taking the sip of the milk and sticking the tongue in the glass. That's his <laughs> that's his Thanos putting the last uh gem in the uh, Infinity Gauntlet. And I'm thank you for saying gem, by the way. Listen, I don't I don't purposely do things to get a rise out of you, you know? Right. And I don't do things purposely to get a rise out of you either. Maybe Matt, not me. That is true. All right. Thanks everyone for bearing with us. This has been a full episode, but that's the way I like it. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, closing out episode 610 of Longbox Heroes for Todd. This is Joe saying thank you all for listening and we will see you next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. It's Solid Gold, starring Marilyn McCoo, with Solid Gold recording stars Kim Carnes, the Oak Ridge Boys, Waylon Flowers and Madam, the Solid Gold Dancers, and very special guest, Soldier Boy. Fab Five Freddy told me everybody's fly. DJ spinning, I said, my, my. Flash is fast, flash is cool. Francois Sapa, flash ain't no dude, and you don't stop. Sure shot, go out to the parking lot. And you get in your car, and you drive real far, and you drive all night, then you see a light. Comes right down, and lands on the ground, and out comes a man from Mars. And you try to run, but he's got a gun. And he shoots you dead, and he eats your head, and then you're in the man from Mars. And you go out at night, eating cars, you eat Cadillacs, Lincolns too, Mercury's, and Subaru. And you don't stop, you keep on eating cars. Then, when there's no more cars, you go out at night and eat up bars where the people meet. Face to face, dance cheek to cheek, one to one, man to man, dance toe to toe. Don't move too slow, cause the man from Mars is through with cars. He's eating bars, yeah, wall to wall, door to door, hall to hall, he's gonna eat them all. Rapture, be pure, take a tour through the sewer, don't strain your brain, paint a train, you'll be singing in the rain. I said don't stop to punk rock.